Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield, the host of Manny Talk Shooting, and welcome to another episode. This is the shooting podcast where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you like this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Talk Shooting. And without further ado, let's get to this episode. The title sponsor of Manny Talk Shooting is Go Fast Don't Suck. So if you need match banners for your match, check them out. They also have an awesome selection of pre-designed and custom mobile jerseys. Don't forget, they are the home of the dry fire decals for your wall, so get those too. They've also got a plethora of patches and stickers that are hilarious and true. You know, Go Fast Don't Suck has a lot of things that you'll need on the range and off, so please check them out at GoFastDon'tSuck.net. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back for another installment of Manny Talk Shooting, the shooting podcast on the internet, because I have to do it on the internet. This is the only way possible. And I am not Arik Levy, so this is how it's going to be. Um, anyway, uh, I am sitting down with a friend of a friend that people call him the god of 92s or the messiah. I don't know. It's it's Les Kiss Martoni who wants less pepperoni. How you doing, Les? Great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for sitting down with me. Um, I think I got beaten up enough by enough of your friends to be like why isn't less been on the show yet and it's like fair point men fair point no but well, if less would shoot more often then uh then hey, <laughs> hey you don't need to shoot much more because you are a distinguished master oh, oh you, boy yeah you, you, you can hang it up you can hang it up right after that it's like eh, i'm done i don't need to I'm shoot good. anymore i'm good no, no yeah no exactly but um no, it's going to be a good show. Uh, people, if you don't know who Mr. Les Kiss Martoni is, you will find out soon enough. Of, I've had a couple of his good friends on, like Brandon um, Brandon Powers, Eric Camps, and Matt Little. So all those good men. Uh, you know, I think ha- you need to go see your friend Matt Little again to play on his machine in the middle of the yes. night. Because yes. it, it's just, <laughs> you have to break high scores. <laughs> that, that was, yeah, he, he set it up in a shooting room. And the last time I was there, I, I was a bit out of practice, but uh, I could probably break a couple of those high scores now. And, uh, um, but he, he's moved on to, what is that, uh, the virtual shooting thing or, or um, gosh. Oh, um, yeah, Ace. Ace. Ace, is that is that it? Yeah, mm-hmm. so, which is kind of cool. Like, um, I think there were a couple of people who were um, – we're kind of talking back and forth about the merits of it and everything, but I don't know. I, yeah, the Sammy shooting game, the, this old Sega arcade system was really cool just because it paralleled a lot of like the good aspects of practical shooting, you know, where like there's kind of a, a trick to the game. If you don't miss any shots, then you get a hundred point bonus. So it's really like this very big encouragement for you to shoot clean and shoot in pocket. And then um, it's like, huh, that's kind of funny because if you shoot matches and you don't really miss any points, then you'll generally finish higher. Mm-hmm. It's like, huh, you know, that let that be a lesson. It's like maybe, maybe these arcade game designers actually got it right. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, 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 uh, I really tried to hunt down the people who were uh, the design team behind the game, mm-hmm. the, the old the Thomas Wave game. And unfortunately, uh, a a Thomas wave in, in the States is long gone because I mean, they don't really make a lot of arcade games anymore. And uh, Sega USA is now turned into something totally different and, and whatever. And um, I, I think maybe somebody in Japan might still know, but I mean, we're, we're getting on, I think at this point, 20, 23, 24 years since that came out. So I, I think the people behind the game, um, 
it'd be kind of harder to track them down, but uh, that'd be kind of neat just to find out like who, who was actually into practical shooting because when they designed the game, it was, it was pretty neat. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I, I digress. Yeah. So, so, hey, now that he's playing Ace, maybe he'll sell you the machine at like pennies on the dollar. Right. There you go. Right. And then, yeah. just, and then he'll pay to ship it to your house and be like, <laughs> yeah, I've got to, I'll have to cannibalize it for yeah. spare parts. I, I, I constantly like comb through eBay looking for like old spare parts and the old optic guns and stuff like that. But, um, my, my Franken, uh, Frankensteining of everything together, trying to put like a red dot on like one of those guns. It kind of, uh, it's okay, but, but they're, you know, it, it's tough. It, it, it's not perfect. So, mm-hmm. oh, well. It's okay. Yeah. The dreams of reality and finding things on eBay, it'll be okay. But uh, right. uh so so Les, for the people who don't know you, who are you yeah. and how'd you get into shooting? Sure. Um I'm Les Kismertoni. I uh I live in Florida now. I grew up around Chicago and um wasn't really into guns. Um I didn't get into guns until really like my late twenties. I had a friend of mine who um he kind of grew up around guns. His dad was a cop and I want to say just outside of Chicago. And, um, he took me to my first, uh, manufacturer shoot at one of the local ranges there. And I, I, you know, they hand you a 45 and say, go shoot the target. And it's like, wow, this is cool. And your hands are trembling and whatever. And, and, uh, I found that I could actually line up the sights and it made a lot of sense. I had a lot of fun with it. So it's like, I'm hooked. I, I need to, I need to buy a gun. Um, so I also kind of got interested in shooting. We lived in a, in a weird neighborhood in Chicago. It was gentrifying, but it was still pretty, pretty rough neighborhood, Humble Park. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, having something in the house, whether it was legal or not or whatever, um, don't ask, don't tell. Um, it kind of was peace of mind. So, uh, yeah, so I bought our old three fifty seven revolver, and that was – the hand cannon that lived in the desk drawer and, and everything. So uh, it wasn't until much later. I was actually at, at the range. I used to go shoot like a 22 revolver and, and just, just kind of have fun marksmanship. And I showed up on the wrong night and they were actually shooting USPSA. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is really neat. I'd love to do this. And, um, and I kind of got hooked. There was a really, really good guy. A lot of people in the Midwest uh, may you know, may you remember Jerry Gardner, he passed away a few years ago, passed away about five years ago now. And, uh, Jerry was the guy who really got me into a lot of shooting and, um, got me involved with the club that we, that I shot at, which is McHenry Ipsick, which is where camps is now the president. Matt Little got his start there and uh, a whole bunch of people up at, uh, the alpha range, like, uh, Donovan Moore point one tactics, right. And, um, uh, Max Clatt, whether, whether you love him or hate him, you know, nine grenade as his, mm-hmm. uh, in, Instagram is and, and a couple other people like it's, it's a great place. And a lot of people, Mike, Mike general, when he's in town, I think he used to shoot there. Um, but we had a lot of people who, who really made that club very special and, uh, and encouraged a lot of people to, to take up practical shooting in USBSA. And it was, it was a neat place. So, um, but yeah, that's that's how I kind of got started with McHenry Ipsic and, and shooting Ipsic. Then they had another club there. We used to go on break during the hot summer months and everything, shooting indoors with no ventilation. Kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a IDPA club that kept shooting, and I said, Ah, well, 
shooting is shooting. Marksmanship is, is kind of fun. So I'll go and do that and kind of got hooked on that sport as well. And so I've shot both IDPA and USPSA. And I think that's been, um, how should I say it? It's interesting. It's just because they're slightly different mental challenges, you know, all the arbitrary rules in IDPA, and then you're just trying to really have a stellar breakout performance in USPSA. I think the two kind of balance each other because you need to have a very strong mental game in both. And, uh, and they, you know, if you look past their differences of which there are many, then you start to realize that shooting both actually makes you a better competitor and overall. And, um, and that, that, that was kind of fun to do. So, but anyway, um, I, uh, I was in IT for a long time. I switched over about a year ago to law enforcement, which has been a really weird trip. Um, the institutionalized learning and everything there we could talk about for a while. Um, it's very different than what people are doing in USPSA or practical shooting in general. And, um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell. Oh, and I like bread and 92s a lot. They're, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> now and, the, tr- uh, the true question is, do you have one tattooed on your body yet? No, I don't. I don't. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that guy, uh, Lauren Mitchkey, he does drawn fire art, right. Um, <laughs> with like a hand cell with like the, you know, the, the, what is it? Uh, not Randall special, you know, you know what I'm talking about? The Glocks with the captain, but, uh, uh, he drew the gorilla with the, with the Breda and, and all that. That'd be kind of cool to get tattooed, but, <laughs> but no, I haven't done that. I think my wife would be mortified, you know? So, um, so no, uh, not, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Well, not Hey, yet. you haven't gone through a midlife crisis yet, so you're going to be fine. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. We could debate that one, but, but, uh, but yeah. yeah. Um, but I do have some stellar Berettas right here, so you know. Yeah, nothing wrong with Berettas, even though they still have. Okay, that one's respectable because it has a red dot on it. It's it's not yeah. com- it's not completely archaic. The Frank the Franken Beretta, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's pretty pretty pretty. pretty, pretty. Yeah, there, nothing wrong yeah. with tinkering guns either. But uh, no. So you said you know you know Gary um. Gary Gardner kind of got you up, you know, brought you into that kind of club in that sport. Um, you yeah. said he passed away a few years ago. Um, was he like a mentor or is he kind of just gave you the stepping stones to then meet all those awesome guys? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, Jerry was a real can do person. I think the people who, who might remember him, um, who may be listening. I don't know if any, if any of the new demographic there's been a lot of turnover of course and practical shooting people get into it and then get out of it that's okay mm-hmm. um uh i think some of the people in the midwest who who may remember jerry just remember as a very capable guy he's the type of guy that would go shoot a match and turn around and go work on his car or his truck and he's he's kind of like a clint eastwood figure in, in a way um in, in you know in a very positive way and he, he wasn't the, the greatest shooter, but he had fun with it. And I think that that's the, the biggest thing, especially oh, there's all this politics in USPSA. But at heart, when people show up and shoot a local match and you're hanging out with your friends and you're going to go catch a couple beers afterwards or something, it's a lot of fun. And you, you really get to know and cherish those friendships uh, because of that sport. And um, I think Jerry really embraced that. So he had fun shooting. He wasn't, I mean, 
He was in a great shooter. He was like a, a C-class shooter, but he had a lot of fun with it. He traveled to some of the bigger matches, and he tried to he tried to uh, to help out in the ways that he could. And I mean, he was a he was a very old man, uh, you know, in his eighties, and he was still doing it and still getting around and still blasting. It was it was it was pretty awesome. Um, mm. But uh, but but he did put me in touch with a lot of the people in, who were interested in practical shooting, who then became um, you know, match directors and who stewarded other clubs in the region going forward. And that was, that was always really, it, it's always good to know those people like who, mm -hmm. you know, who's putting on the matches and who puts on a quality match and the, you know, the match directors helping each other out. That, that That's a big deal too. So that, um, the stages are better and it's not just so contrived and it's not just a 32 round speed shoot, very USPSA, you know, early 2000, early mid 2000 style. And it's just like, okay, great. You know, we're just hosing targets here, but, but like, what can we do? That's a little more interesting. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So. That has gotta be fun. And it's great to hear people like people like Jerry, right? Those mentors, the people who weren't the best shooters, but great people to be hanging around with and have fun with it, You know, and those are the people that, you know, you have lasting memories of. And, yeah. I mean, undoubtedly. And you, and you can't forget Max Clatt. I mean, love him or hate him, you can't forget Max Clatt. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'll tell a quick story. I, the first time I met Max Clatt was at uh, the Ryan Rocks Charity Blast. Did you ever shoot that oh, match yeah. when you were up here? No, no, I didn't get the chance to. Um, they always had that in, what was it? And it was a pretty early match, right? In May or something like that? or I mean, maybe in the beginning, but I think it ended up for being in July for a while. Okay, all right. Maybe that was the reason. Like, um, I tended to take a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. In July, in the hottest months and everything, that, that's why I never shot like, um, uh, oh, what was it? Um, like they used to have like the big sector or area match out in Nebraska. It was like a Sherwin's range. Um, area three. Uh, area three. I think that was like I never shot an area three championship, which which always had a hallmark of being a really tough match. But it was, you know, a million degrees in Nebraska. It's like who the hell wants to go and shoot? And you know, so if I take, if I take a couple of weeks off and go fishing and kind of hang out and go travel, then, Hey, I'll get back to it. So it was kind of nice to take a uh, little, little like pause during the, during the hottest section of the year. So, mm -hmm. but, but, uh, but you were saying Max. Yeah. So the first time I ever Max Clatt is he, uh, it was a uh, raining, like it was raining, like no other on this, on this last Sunday of the match. And all I hear is, uh, Max swearing as he slides down this hill, you know, of mud, and it's just like, oh lord, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you don't expect, and, and not to say Max, because after Max shot, you see, yeah, he's a really good shooter, but you don't expect Max to be like the best shooter until he lays it down with his open gun when you've never met the man before, and you're like, this guy, you know, because you, we've all met those people who are all talk, no show, but Max yeah. can talk and show, so mm -hmm. it's it's, but he definitely has the appearance of not doing very well because of his stature but uh no yeah, i met max that day and he impressed me and yeah. i respect him for being who he is because we we need those people oh totally he's uh he's pretty vocal um uh very vocal yeah that's a uh, pretty vocal is an understatement of the century but uh um yeah hey everybody's entitled to opinions and you know the the really well-formed ones or entertaining ones Mm -hmm. the, the, those are those are pretty good but but he's got a big heart yeah i mean he's helped so many people and he's really done amazing stuff for the club 
uh, for McHenry Ipsic to keep people shooting and keep that club moving forward and keep people interested and keep the stages interested. Um, you know, I think that this is one of the bigger problems in practical shooting, and I, I don't want to digress too far from whatever topic you've got next, but I think there's this, and, and maybe this is part of some of the discussion, and I don't want to get too political here, but it is an all-volunteer sport, and it's the same people who keep going out and setting up matches. It's the same people who keep putting in good stages and trying to encourage more people to, to, to help out, take the helm, and do all that. And, um, and it becomes pretty exhausting and it, it's, it, it takes a team. It's a group effort. And I think, um, when people have a good team, they surround themselves with a really good group, then it, it makes those matches so much better and it makes that club and that community so much, so much stronger, um, because you've got really good shooters and they're, they're willing to help out. You've got people putting on really good stages, which are a good test and it's preparing people who are even at a moderate class level to actually go out and and be tested the way they would at a larger sectional or area match and it's 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 funneling that in it's not just hey it's monday night let, let's shoot you know so um mm -hmm. yeah it's easy to phone it in too but uh but, yeah well and it feels like at least in the midwest from what i've seen from different stages or matches i've shot is that we do prefer a more technical match within the, the, the means, the confines of the clubs, because sure. we, we do like shooting those more challenging stages. And I think you see something, you see something that, um, at, at alpha, you know, they've got three little bays and they're able to through a six stage match in the ground and two, two bays. Oh, that's right. It's two bays, two mm -hmm. bays and, and then flip it around and shoot really technical stages. And there is, yes. is impressive. And a lot of outdoor clubs can't, aren't capable of putting that technical of a match on. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it helps that, you know, the indoor match system that we had at alpha was pretty, it was pretty interesting in the sense that everything's right there in the back of the back of the room. So you want to shoot, you know, hard transitions and you want to practice those. Hey, we've got a movable backstop. We'll just wheel it out and, and do that. And um, it was great when I was there. We could still shoot into the walls. The, the walls were up armored, and, and uh, mm -hmm. the, that's that's kind of gone gone by the wayside now. But um, it was fun just stapling targets to to the rubber tile, <laughs> like, you know, running a build drill <laughs> to the wall. It's uh, it feels a little weird the first couple times you do it. But anyway, um, but it was neat because hey, you want to you know the steel stacked up in the back of the range, and you don't have very far to to walk you don't need to stake anything down the wall systems that they had there at uh, at alpha were, were really really well designed and, and really well made so it was pr pretty easy to to hang up whatever props you wanted to do and it was uh you put a lot of thought and effort into that and i don't know how it's changed now but uh but that, that was that was neat you know outdoor matches when you have like a giant rifle bay and you've got to haul everything from some connex or whatever all the way back out and you need a pickup truck and and a team of mules and whatever and and, and all that stuff. It, it can be more of a pain in the ass i get it you know but um but yeah so kudos to the people who are out there doing that work though and making it interesting for everybody else i think those are the unsung heroes of uspsa and idpa and uh and if you see your match director you owe him a beer and a burger and, and a big heartfelt thank you and uh that, that sort of thing so to the people who are listening mm -hmm. pay it forward you know be, be good to those people um, but yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I, I definitely agree with giving back and telling the match director uh, the kudos that they really need. But um, uh, <laughs> I did get this. Uh, well, I guess what made you originally decide to start shooting the 92? Um, ben Steger. He, um, we, yeah, we were, we were taking a class up in, gosh, where, where was it? Uh, Eau Claire? Uh, I mean, not Eau Claire. I think. Anyway, we were taking a class in northern northern Wisconsin. There was a group of us that had traveled up from from Chicago to do that, and um, uh, we were razzing him mercilessly about how how much the bread has sucked and everything. And and it's just it's, it's we were just joking about it. But um, he he left his gun on like the safe area and whatever, and you start like clicking away at it. And it's like wow, this, this is actually a pretty easy gun to shoot, and the sights are good and feels good in the hand and everything and it's a metal gun i was shooting a glock at the time that kind of noodles around and um i was like huh you know and i asked him hey can i shoot a couple couple rounds and then you go from that double trigger to to single action and it's like wow okay this is pretty pretty easy to line up and shoot and and uh, it's a very soft recoiling gun especially if you've got it loaded with some you know i don't want to say sub minor but like you know 100 and 28 power factor or something like that 147s and you've got a whole bunch of grease packed into it like he used to i mean it was a very soft recoiling gun very flat shooting so it was it was fun i um i immediately liked it and said huh you know i could i could probably get used to this and um i was shooting a, a glock and 40 cal i it sounds stupid in hindsight now, but I just really didn't know enough about guns when I first started shooting. I didn't like when I first started shooting and being interested in USBSA before I really got to know Jerry, um, kind of went to the gun store and it's like, Hey, I, I need a gun, my good man. What do you have? And they're like, well, why don't you buy a Glock? And, and I was like, great. And then I was like, which Glock should I get? Should I get a 45? And they're like, well, 45 ammo is expensive, but to buy a 40 or a nine. And, and I was like, Oh, well, that's cool. Um, you know, Masa, you've said you should shoot the caliber that the police shoot and whatever. It's like, ah, everybody's shooting 40 cal. I'll, they look the same. They fit the same holster. I'll, you know, there are only two flavors of 40 cal, 180 grain and 165. And it's like, I guess I'll shoot 40 cal, you know, nine millimeter. You had like 147 plus P plus P plus 124 NATO, 115 grain i just like i don't know i don't like just give me the 40 and it was like 50 bucks cheaper so um yeah that was not the best decision but uh but it was a decision it got me into shooting and uh and it was it was a lot of fun and uh i shot yeah, i shot 40 in production for forever i made master on that thing and then um and then switched to nine millimeter and i've been shooting nine ever since even when i shot like limited minor then mm-hmm. uh it's like it just you know that was the whole point of like shooting a p- appendix it's like you could put the gun wherever and then just load it up and go have at it it's like ah, that's cool nine is fine mm-hmm. so yeah yeah the odd benefit of shooting 40 minor in production is you get a bigger hole <laughs> like yeah easier to get yeah. those alphas with that bigger bullet <laughs> Yeah. I mean, oh man, you could, you could have some stupid soft recoiling loads. Like a, another guy who shot 40 minor in production for a long time and who also lives here in Florida. Um, I usually shoot with him on Monday nights and today is a Monday night, but our match was canceled anyway. Um, but, uh, is Matt Olenchak super tactical and, um, Olenchak is a hell of a, hell of a shooter. 
And it's, it's amazingly hilarious to watch him get really pissed off and like smashes ear pro. We actually took a look at like his Amazon order history and it's like ear pro, ear pro, ear pro, ear pro. Like he just like, he goes through and smashes his ear pro when he gets mad. It's just, it's, it's, it's like classic Matt hall hallmark, Matt Olachak. But, um, but yeah, he shot a, uh, it was hard to find those Tanfolio nines when Ben started shooting those. So he bought a Tanfolio 40 and figured out, I'll shoot limited and I'll shoot production. I'll just download it. But, but, uh, but yeah, you could, you could shoot like 135 grain bullet and, um, it was super soft, uh, made power factor easily. And, um, it was just, yeah, it was a, it was kind of a fun caliber to shoot in, 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 uh, I mean, it was like so soft, like it, it, it's, it's almost cheating. It was, and, and you're still like five over the power four, you know, so it's easily making 130 power factor with like 135 grade bullet. It's like, Oh my God, this is, this is really, really easy. So it was, it was neat. It was accurate enough too. So, but if you're shooting 50 yard groups, then maybe not, but, but, uh, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. But and anyway, so you, yeah. yeah. So you said you normally shoot Monday nights at an indoor range, um, mm-hmm. assuming, uh, which which is kind of nice. It's always nice to shoot on the weekdays. Uh, and honestly, it's kind of nice because you know you just unload your carry gun and just shoot carry gun at the match, don't you? Yeah, I mean that, that's what I did for a long time. Uh, you know, there lately I've been shooting uh, from a race rig again. I'm put together this Franken gun and everything, and yeah, you could shoot this. It's it's a bit heavy. This is like one of those 92x performance frames, and um, it, 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 it's got a little more heft. Um, but uh, when it was in its stock form with just the LTT lower, then uh, then I would actually carry this and shoot it, and it was it, it does great. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean I carried ninety two a lot, and then um, so. But yeah, I mean it, you know hey whatever floats the boat that night. You know sometimes I just want to shoot appendix. Sometimes I'll go out there and shoot with a race rig. Um, sometimes I'll mess around with the duty rig and whatever, and just see how that goes. So that, that's been interesting. It's been interesting relearning how to shoot a Glock lately. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been good. You know, I can't complain. You don't turn your nose up at your, uh, your Glock, do you? <laughs> no, it, it, I, I really, I really liked, um, they have the, the model 45. It's like a, it's like a 19 and a 17 had a baby mm-hmm. long, long, uh, grip frame. And, um, uh, which we'll call short slide. And that, that seems like a pretty, pretty nice little pistol. So I, I, I don't, I don't mind it. Um, the agency's moving to red dot. So it'll be interesting kind of relearning that, which has been the whole point for shooting the carry optic gun again. So okay. I gotta, I gotta figure out what, what we're going to do and whatever. So, um, but no, Glock's a, Glock's a great gun. I think there's so many great guns out there too. Um, I mean, of course, I love the, the bread 92 and I've done a lot of work on the 92s and I've helped a lot of people kind of get their 92s set up. Um, and the Langdons are wonderful people. They, they, I still, you know, the number of questions that I've had about 92s have gone down significantly just because I've been, I've been unfortunately busy with some family stuff in the last year and it's like odd career change. But um, uh, it used to be, like probably like 10 questions or, or more a week. But, um, but there's so many cool other guns out there. I really like the old SIG 226, which is, I know, DASA gun, but Glock's a nice pistol. Um, not the biggest fan of the 320. It's just, just something about the way it sits in my hand that I didn't like. Um, I've had to shoot a couple 
when we've worked at Waft, um, mm-hmm. which is the place just by Orlando. It's kind of an interesting place, and they, they since they're sponsored and they're a big SIG sponsor, I have to strap on a SIG two, uh, 320 or 320 with like one of their optics and they, they shoot pretty okay, but there's still something about like the way the gun sits. It's not my, my preference, but, but Hey, to, you know, to each their own, whatever fits and works, that's what people should use. And they should, they should explore and see, see what options are available to them. But, uh, um, yeah. Um, I'm not a big 1911 fan. Uh, I haven't really hid that. I've shot one in bullseye for a while back a long time ago, but um, I, I, I do like some of the aspects of 1911, but like from competing from practical shooting, I just, I'm, I'm terrible with them. Like the skinny mag and the, like my, I've got big hands. So what do I do with my hands? But um, like the, the way I hold the gun tends not to engage properly the grip safety. And unless you disable it, which is kind of a no, no on IDPA and, and everything. So it's it hasn't worked out well for me with the 2011s or 1911s, unfortunately. So I, I tend to steer away from those. But that that's just a preferential thing. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Well, and speaking about questions with you know getting lots of questions about the 92. Yeah. Uh, how many times has your archaic antique sight pusher been sent around the world or around the country? Wow. Um, you know, I have lost count at this point and. That reminds me, I think I need to send that to Brandon Powers um, because I promised him I'd send it. And then I think he said, no, I don't need it. But then I, th- I think he still needs it. So I don't, I don't know. Um, but um, it's been it's been at least like 30 or 40 people who've used it. I actually I would get requests for it. So I'd send it and then I just have the person send it to the next person. And then I think the, the longest hop was like seven people. So they like forwarded seven times and then finally like made its way back home. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, I haven't sent it out lately in a little bit, but, uh, but if anybody needs a bread and 92 site pusher and wants to borrow it, then I'd be happy to send it to you and then just send it back. So you don't have to go out there and buy your own if you, if you don't need it. But well, and how many boxes has that gone through? Because I'm assuming it's just a covered in tape. Yeah. It's what one box is still just, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, wrapped in packing tape. It's actually holding up pretty well. So it, it's kind of funny. The um, it's the feel free to snicker at the name. It's the BJ two thousand or the B and J Tool Company two thousand. It's like, oh, that's a great great name. Um, no offense to BJ Norris, but um, uh, <laughs> he shot Berettas for a minute, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, I think he still does. He's uh, he's an awesome dude. He speaking of another guy i think he, he made a a career shift in law enforcement as well and uh we were on the wilson combat team for a while but he, he's a he's a great guy um but uh but yeah that site pusher tool that has has gone around the world and i don't think they make him it was like 200 and some bucks or whatever and i mean it's it's pretty well made so you don't you don't realize how much you know how many like foot pounds of pressure are actually on there to like stake a site well and, and everything and, mm-hmm. and break through the staking on some of the sites that have been staked in the front um, on the bread as they have like a dovetail now. Um, but, you know, the, the rear sites always glide in and out easy, but it's, it's the front site. Car pistols used to be the worst too. And the site pusher works on those. It's like you can drive those out really easy. You just keep, keep torquing on it and it'll, they, they break with like a snap and, and then they slide right out, which is great because that dovetail is just so freaking tight. So, but 
Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, car pistols. Who the hell shoots those anymore, right? <laughs> they even make that brand anymore. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, I, I still have mine, and uh, and you know, I, I do carry from time to time a little nine millimeter. But they, they were they were ahead of the head of the game. Um, they had a little polymer single stack nine millimeter PM nine. That was a that's a fine gun, accurate gun. But um, uh, it, it seems to work and. Now, of course, we've got like the Beretta, or excuse me, the the Glock forty three, forty eight X, or whatever. So all those little micro nines and everything, and then three sixty five. It's it's maybe, yeah, the car is maybe a bit antiquated design wise, but but oh well. Mm-hmm. But but they, they're good guns, yeah. Right. So Ben Hart wants to know what is it like to smack around 22 year old cadet uh, recruits. Oh, that was fun. Um, yeah, so I, I I do a lot of jiu-jitsu. I'm wearing a Gordon Ryan cap. Um, if anybody knows, uh, big big Gordon Ryan fan. Um, I love jiu-jitsu. I'm not great at it, but I've, you know you don't have to be great at it when people don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was fun. I, I'm, it was very odd being in your mid 40s dealing with a whole bunch of like 20 year olds. In you know mid twenty year olds in, in an academy and a, and it was uh, it's pretty strange it's uh, all your references at like movies and music and whatever just sail over the head of everybody else and half the time they're speaking a different thing language wise you don't even know if it's English or not and uh, it's like wow I never knew that was you know uh, yeah. anyway but um, yeah it was fun and then. Uh, um, it's it's odd when you out PT them and you out wrestle them and you out shoot them and then they're like oh my god like it's who is this guy is this Jason Bourne or something like that? <laughs> so it's like you know you're surprised they even knew that movie but uh but yeah it was yeah it was fun but they're mm-hmm. you know there there are a couple of really great people there too but but yeah there there's some real pussies there so pardon my French but. Mm-hmm. but yeah well they're they're cut from a different cloth that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i bet they didn't even know what star wars was or like that there's there was only three movies and there still should only be three movies <laughs> yes yeah correct right you know yeah yeah the the um we had a couple guys who were really big into uh there were a couple guys who were really into Star Wars, and uh, they they loved it. And they loved the Mandalorian thing and whatever. So that was kind of neat to have some common ground. But uh, but uh, at the same time, it was uh, yeah. I, I get everything from Grandpa. They, they called me Dad for a long time. Um, so it was uh, it was it was fun. It, you know, I, I, I care about those people a lot, and I hope they do well in their new chosen career and everything. And, mm-hmm. um, um, I, I certainly tried to help a lot of them out with, with certainly the wrestling aspects, at least from an aspect of, you know, you, you have to fight some people and whatever and, 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 and get into the boxing ring and, and punch each other and everything and, uh, kind of go easy on some people or whatever. And, um, at least, at least keep them safe and make sure tensions don't rise too much. Be be mature about it, and then also helped a lot of people. I, we, we shot. God, I'm trying to think of like how much 22 ammo we went through. I think we went through like probably like four or five bricks of mm-hmm. 22, just trying to get people's basic marksmanship back back 
kind of on a level. So, you know, it was very strange to have 28 people in a class and of which maybe four people had ever shot, ever handled a gun. And one of them being me, who's completely off the chart, you know, on one level of weaponized autism, you know, as far as practical shooting goes. And then three people who've like, oh, I've worked in a gun store and I've shot a couple, you know, and one guy owns a gun and the other. And then the rest of the people, they don't know which end the bullet comes out of. They've never held the gun and they need to learn something to go from complete zero to at least passing the state qual and not shooting each other or themselves in like a matter of two weeks. And I've got a lot of respect for the instructors because that's a, you know, that's a tall order. Um, and, uh, um, but yeah, we put in a lot of time after hours cause we had the range until closing or whatever. I sit there and we just shoot like this old little Beretta, um, yeah, it's the Beretta Puma was a 32 caliber. It's the Beretta Jaguar. It's like a little 22. Mm-hmm. We shot so much through that thing. And um, just because the manual of arms is a little more like the the Ruger Mark One that I have is pretty antiquated. So, it, you know, this thing, you could actually drop the magazine and, and you know, whatever, but a little closer to the pistols that they were using and um, just try and work on trigger press and, and uh, side alignment and everything. It was, it was a big, big deal. So, um, but yeah, now all my 22 ammo is gone. So, yeah. Oh, well, it was for a good cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good cause that, but you know, you can't, you can't buy it for what you shot it. You know, you can't, you can't replace it for what you bought it for at all. No, no, no. That ship has sailed. Right. You know, Hey, yeah. At least it wasn't, wasn't burning up primers or something like that. So yeah, <laughs> but, that, yeah. that's for sure. Um, yeah. but, uh, Thank you for watching another episode of Manny Talk Shooty. I greatly appreciate it. And if you could do me a favor, please go patronize our sponsors here when you are available. We've got Hunter's HD Gold, Go Fast, Don't Suck, Outdoor Dynamics, Make Stuff Better, Range Panda, Southern Barbecue, Laugh and Load, Summit City Bullets, 2 Alpha Apparel, and Tom Castro Shoot Academy. Now let's get back to this episode. Eric wants to know, um, when will you kind of be coming back to the world of competition? Yeah, so it's been it's been weird with a whole bunch of family stuff and going on. Um, I've had to hit the pause button um, and it sucks. The, the only really big match that I did, well, I actually, in last June, I drove up to Illinois. I shot the Illinois state IDPA championship. I just need to take a road trip. Um, And that was, that was really fun. I did pretty well in that match. Uh, It wasn't my best, but, but I did okay. Um, I shot the IDPA world championship in Talladega in October. I finished seventh. It was, that was a rough match and I shot the whole thing in one day. Um, yeah, it was not not the best headspace, but, uh, but, but I did okay. Um, I shot fairly clean, didn't shoot any no shoots down a couple too many points to, to really be somebody, but, uh, a little slow, but, um, but you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, I'd really love to get back to it coming up into into this year and next year. Um, I've got a Mark Seven Reloader uh, machine, and my friend Tom Carlson. I got to drag him up here from Fort Myers to to help me set it up. Um, I've had an old forked automation. It's the rotary drive chain chain machine, mm-hmm. and that thing has loaded a lot of rounds, and it, it's 
it's still in very good condition. And I've got a guy who I shoot with who owns a bike store. And if anybody can keep it running, it's this guy. He's very mechanically inclined. I just don't want to replace it with this Mark Seven because it can churn out rounds at a far faster rate. So I'm I'm not very picky with uh, with ammo. So I, I have a couple of recipes, and I just kind of stick to that that plan. And then I can churn out ammo, and then kind of be on my merry way. Um, we've we've been doing a lot of home remodeling as well. So that's kept me out of the garage where I had everything set up. I'm bringing everything inside. Florida is very humid. Um, if you don't run AC outside, it's very hot, and at least the, the machine isn't a different temperature. The temperature gradient, when you get like water condensing on the metal, that's what leads to a lot of rust. But um, but after a number of years of, of this stuff just being out in the garage, it's, it's it needs to be bought inside. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the next big focus is uh, uh, I need to set up the reloading press and kind of get those get that process back into, into full swing. And then, um, then I can actually start to shoot a little bit more and get back to some of the really cool matches that, that we've got in the area on the weekends. And that, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, there's, again, there's been a lot with the new profession too, which has just been trying to do well with that and, and, um, uh, see where all that goes. So, you know, that's another decision too. Do I stick with iron sights and shoot in the Breda or do I go to the optic, same, same, you know, system that we're using for work or whatever, what will make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have, I have a couple of decisions ahead of me and, and, um, it'll be, it'll be fun. I, I think I'm going to shoot carry optics going forward for, uh, for the foreseeable future. But, um, but, uh, I don't know if it's going to be on the 92 or on the block and we'll see where it goes. So, Mm-hmm. but yeah yeah so how does it feel to be a distinguished master i mean i don't know beer tastes pretty good and <laughs> steak is great but uh I, I you know here's one of those things it doesn't feel any different um you know if you like shooting and you shoot well then you're gonna you, you'll figure it out it's a neat accolade to have under your belt and it's it's some something fun to celebrate like the good times but it's not the end all be all if you like shooting you're going to continue shooting um you know it's not like there's a start middle and end you should do things because you you really enjoy doing them and you like the process of learning and you like the process of of competing and you like you like what it gives you for, for those reasons, the external awards and accolades or whatever are kind of, um, they're neat milestones and markers, but, but it isn't something which is a, you know, you wake up and, you know, you've got shit to do on a Monday, like fix your car, take your sick kid to that urgent care or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, being a DM doesn't make any damn difference, you know, whether or not you're going to do that or not. You're, you got mm-hmm. stuff to do. Um, as far as like, as far as like looking back on things though, it's really weird. Like when I first started shooting and I said, I got to it pretty late in life. It's neat because you see how far you can go. I'm I'm just some, I'm just a dude. I live in Florida. Like, I I don't know. Maybe I figured something of it out just by, by tenacity and the willingness to do the work. But um, like I, 
I was really terrible at this stuff when I started and it took a long time for me to learn how to shoot well. And it, it took a lot of effort to, to become good at it. And it's neat to see how far you can go if you put in that work. I never thought I'd be a, a grandmaster. I never thought I'd win IDP and nationals. And then here you are, you know, it's like you, you put in the work and you enjoy the process and all of a sudden things become possible. They start happening for you. It, that, that's a good feeling that, that that's everybody should be open to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, you, you're not born with a fixed amount of talent. You, you're born with an unlimited amount of talent. And as long as you are embracing that like growth mindset, then you're capable of doing anything really, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So when you, when you won in that match, were you tracking scores or was it a shock by the end of the match or did you knew you did really well? Um, we shot it. So Brandon and I ended up shooting in, um, that match was out in Colorado that was out in Grand Junction, which is an awesome range, by the way. And, and I'm, I'm sad that there were so many political things that happened that, uh, that kept USPSA from, from going to that range. But, you know, they, they may or may not have been necessary and whatever, but I, I digress. Um, we shot the match. We shot it early, and um, we just shot together. We had a great time. We shot with Gorka, who, who runs the, the ranges out here in Florida, of course, right? Gorka and Ivan has. Mm -hmm. And um, awesome guy. And we had, we had a great time. We shot. We had, uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we stayed at the same Airbnb, uh, Brandon and I did, and it was just great. We're grilling burgers and kind of hanging out and, and everything every night. And, um, we got done with the match early and then we bounced out. I had to fly to Georgia because I was shooting the North, North Georgia sectional or something like that. Or I, I don't know, some, some cool match where they take the targets for you and whatever. And, um, it was strange. I went from shooting an iron sided gun and a strong side holster because it was before you could shoot. Uh, appendix and IDPA to shooting a optic gun in a appendix holster from con concealment for, for the North, uh, North Georgia sectional or whatever it was. And, um, I shot that match and then, um, I didn't know what the scores were going to be. And when I was done with the match, I was actually out for sushi when I got like a text from Amy Langdon that said, Hey, congrats. You, you won nationals. It's like, Holy shit. I won nationals. Oh my God. And, and then, um, I forget who I was with. Um, uh, I was with Chris Cozell and um, oh, who's the other guy who used to work for Mark Seven? Who's uh, Go Shoot Win? Um, oh, Vlieger, John Vlieger. Yeah, Vlieger. We were we we're out for sushi, and he's like, "You're an idiot. You know, you won the Bud Sport." And it's like, <laughs> ah, "Thanks, John. You know, call me when you're a national champion." Oh, you know. But uh, no, he he was. Uh, it was great. The, the shit talking was uh, was a lot of fun. But uh, but it was it was fun. So uh, that, that's how I knew. I, I didn't track scores. I tend not to. Um, there are times when if I'm shooting on the second day of a competition, uh, then I will look at scores just to try and figure out what some of the high hit factors are or see if somebody's having a good match or a bad match or, or what stages are going to be like the trouble areas. But it's more just a little bit of pre-planning then, but I try not to track a lot of like hit factors and, and whatever, like after the match, after you've shot, like you're, you're kind of done. So hang your hat on it and, and call it good. Like whatever happens is going to happen at that point. If someone's better and they're having a great day, it's a, like a seriously breakout day, then, uh, then 
okay, they're going to win. If, if they're not, and you had a pretty good performance, then, then you'd probably do okay. You know, if you, um, so, um, sometimes that pre-planning though does help a little bit to, to try and figure out if you should gas it up a little bit and shoot a little less in pocket, a little more, take a little more risk or a little, little quicker versus not. And, um, uh, so yeah, so I've, if anything, I, I tend to do that. I'll, I'll shoot a little too conservative in some matches if I, if I'm shooting early, just because I don't know exactly what to gauge it off of. So when I have that milestone, it's a little bit easier to, 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 you know, do something. So, right. Well, yeah. and you said you shot with Gorka and you guys were competing directly against each other, which, uh, yeah. which was, yeah. is nice because Gorka is a high level shooter. Very, so, yeah. So you, yeah. you get lucky there. So you're at least you're not like completely in the dark on stages, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. But, but, you know, the, the nice thing about Gorka and this is what I love is, you know, we, we would look at stages and, you know, wh- whoever, it boils out to whoever's going to shoot better. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if Gorka, like Gorka did have some gun trouble and stuff like that. And it's like, it, it like, you feel, you feel it in the pit of your stomach. You're like, oh my God, like that, that is a terrible feeling being a competitor that something didn't work or something didn't, didn't line up right. And it's like, Oh my God, like that is the worst feeling. It's like, what can I do to make it better? What can I do to help or whatever? Like, how can I scrounge whatever for him or, or anything? You know, um, that, that's not the way to win. You want to, you know, you help each other out, even though you're competing and you're trying to figure out how to do things better, faster, trying to gamble and, and figure out if you should take the risks or not or whatever. And, and, um, and some people, based off of their, their personality, are going to say, okay, I'm going to take this risk or I'm not going to take this risk. And it's kind of fun. You're, you're, you should be rooting for each other. It's just it's just a game at the end of the mm-hmm. day, right? It's just a game. I, I'm, I'm not sitting here collecting a fat paycheck from USPSA or IDPA. Um, you know, that, that, that's a joke. Once you make GM, the check's in the mail. The check never arrives. But, but, um, but yeah, it, it's... Uh, um, you should want people to do the best that they can. And if they, if they whoop you, (laughs) great, they whoop you. Hey, you're gonna have to figure it out. So that that Mm -hmm. should be the juice to do better next time. So, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it's, and it's nice to, you know, no one ever wants to see someone's gun go down or whatnot. You know, we always want to help each other out because, you know, because that could be you someday and you want their favor return to you. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, It's an always a, uh, it's always an interesting mental state too. It'd be like, you know, what can I do? What can, you know, or it's always the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, or, you know, or it's, did, did you feel like you really won because someone had issues? You know, it's always, there's always those if, what's, or buts, you know, it's always, uh, I mean, it always I'll goes say, through everyone's brain. I'll say I, um, when I, when I did shoot IDP nationals and won, um, I had a, I had a solid match. I, I can say I don't think I made any errors that year, and um, when I look back at like who else was shooting, there's some very good shooters. Um, Pat Doyle, um, mm-hmm. he's an amazing shooter, amazing IDPA shooter, another Wilson Combat guy. Um, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he was right there, a um, couple percent behind. I, you know, it was a it was a commanding performance percentage wise looking back on it and it was it was good and um 
you know, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to do that. So, but, um, um, but yeah, and then, you know, Gorka won, I think in 2021, he won the Florida state championship. And then I went down to Miami and then I won the, the South Florida defensive championship in IDPA. We were both shooting ESP. And then I, I remember getting there. I was like, I'm not shooting ESP. I should be shooting SSP. And they were like, oh, you're shooting ESP now. You registered under ESP. We can't change it. I was like, oh, okay. So I, I texted Gorka. I remember I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I'm like, I, they won't let me change it to SSP. And, and, um, but anyway, uh, and then I shot ESP for, cause I had enough points at that point in ESP to shoot nationals for, for ESP in 2021. So that, that's, that's why I, I shot ESP with the Beretta 92, which is, is it ESP or is it SSP or who knows? Is it a duck or a goose or a swan or whatever? But um, it's, it's, the distinction between ESP and SSP has always been a little bit strange anyway, but I don't quite get it. But, yeah. but um, when you shot ESP, um, was that right after the rule change to 15 rounds or was that, or is that after that? Uh, that was the next year. So, the year that I won, we were still shooting 10 rounds for ESP. And then um, it was a year after in 2022, where I think it went to um, uh, to 15 round capacity for ESP. So, yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's, well, now, now they can shoot appendix and you can do all these cool things. You know, oh. we can have compensated guns now. Wait, it was a SSP now allows 15 rounds. Oh, so okay. it was in 2022, I shot SSP and then I got spanked by JJ with 7% behind him. So in SSP and that was in 15 rounds and that was, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, first mortal, right. Um, right. You know, so now <laughs> is, did 15 rounds make a difference? Um, no, because you still have a reload. If, if an IDPA stage is capped at 18 rounds, like at some point you're going to have to chuck a reload in there. Um, mm-hmm. on, on some stages you might be able to like swing through without a reload. If you're shooting clean and you shoot 16 rounds, it's only a 16 round stage. But, um, but no, not really. Like, I don't think it made a, I don't think it made a appreciable difference in the sport. Like mm-hmm. you, you still have to reload the gun at some point and, how, how you're carrying those reloads does make a little bit of a difference. So I was shooting from appendix with the, you know, actually a concealed magazine and everything like that. The, the tier one system, mm-hmm. um, which I like quite a bit. Um, great, great holster, good presentation, you know, carries your mag for you. It's easy on and off at the end of the day. And, um, uh, but, uh, you know, reloading from with a cover garment, it, it can introduce the element of risk. You know, if the wind's blowing and it kind of masks the the magazine, you get bound up in your shirt or something. But, but, um, but I think if you're reloading from like a strong side hip or excuse me, a weak side hip pouch, it probably a little quicker. But, um, uh, so, but, but overall, no, it didn't make any difference in sport. Like, you know, like none of that shit matters, right? I, I mean, what matters is somebody's shooting an optic gun versus a non optic gun. And I think in open, if you've got like a, a load that will push a compensator and everything and that sights on a bridge, I think that's maybe the only other big difference. But in all iron sight guns, it's all the same. Like it just, I don't think it matters. I don't think trigger weight matters or type of sights or whatever. If it's a polymer gun versus a metal frame gun, it's it doesn't matter, right? If it mattered, then 
you know, um, I, I don't know. It, it just, I, I don't think it does. You know, the Nils wouldn't be winning limited, limited national shooting minor with a, you know, what was it? A, uh, uh, the Turkish gun. The, Canic. Canic, yeah. Janik. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it just, I don't, I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Skill behind the person matters more than the gun for the most part. I mean, yeah. well, as long as your gun is a functional running gun. Now, if you, if the yes. gun becomes, if you're fiddling with the gun too much and it's not working, uh, it, it's the gun's problem, not necessarily your problem. Yes. Yeah. Well, correct. but it is, but it is your problem because you're using a, a anyway, down the rabbit hole we go. Right. But, uh, uh, I, I, I have to sidetrack back to another a Chicago topic here because Shoot. we have had conversations about a, pro- a proper hot dog. And yeah. the difficulty of finding poppy seed buns yes. anywhere. You have to you have to order them online. <laughs> you do. You can order them through – for a while, you could actually order them through Amazon. You could order um, the buns through Amazon, and they would actually send you the the, the rosin uh, poppy seed buns. You could freeze them down and whatever, and that would be good. Or if you had like a um, – there are a couple of like specialty stores that you could order that stuff. The sport peppers are another thing that's kind of tough to get if you're not in the Chicago area. Find those little like sport peppers; those are those are kind of tough. Mm-hmm. But the celery salt that's easy, mustard that's easy. Um, the nuclear green relish you can find pretty much anywhere. Heinz mm-hmm. makes it, you know. But uh, um, but yeah, that, that's you know tomato slices that, that's easy enough. Oh, pickles, right? But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. But yeah, you gotta. That, that's that's a tough thing. I got Gabe White, um, you know Gabe White, yep. right? Of course, right. I got him hooked on uh, Chicago dogs uh, when he came to do a class in Chicago. We went to Portillo's, which is a good Chicago eatery, and mm-hmm. and um, and then I was telling him, he's like, "Oh, you can't recreate these," and I was like, "Actually, you can with Amazon." So once in a while, in the past, he'd send me a picture of like, you know, "Hey, we're having a hot dog night at the family." You know, it's like, "Oh, cool," you know, but mm-hmm. but um, you know. Now, now he just sends me stuff because he does uh, music production. So Step Leopard Records, mm-hmm. uh, House Mafia. He does a whole bunch of like, um, uh, like I, I don't even know what you'd want to call it. Like, yeah, it's like house, you know, house beats and stuff like that. It's it's a lot of fun. He's on Apple Music, and if you if you look it up, Leopard Step or Step Leopard Leopard Step. Right, Leopard, Step. Leopard Step. Yeah. Is he still yeah. teaching uh, shooting or is? I'm I'm not sure. I don't know if he's still doing the roadshow with shooting. I think a lot of that slowed down for him in 2020. But I think I think he's still doing a couple of the classes. Um, but that was like the big thing. If you won like the turbo pin, then he had like all the different like animal avatars. You know, the the grizzly bear pin or the tiger pin or the leopard pin and all that stuff. And and um, so yeah, I think the last thing I sent Gabe White was actually like I found this really cool like tiger pattern bomber jacket and i was just like dude you you need this in your life and uh it can go with your tiger pattern adidas shoes and whatever so um <laughs> um anyway but yeah, i digress that, that's uh, that's still pretty cool and, and you know it's the cool thing is you get to know people outside of, you know through shooting and you figure out what their hobbies are and what else they like to do you know and it's, that's the cool thing right yep T- now, tiki drinks that's his other big hobby yeah it's like yeah You'd think that'd be a Florida guy thing, but he lives in like in the middle of nowhere. Portland. Oh. 
Oh, he yeah. mo- okay. So he lives in the wet tundra of bullcrap. <laughs> yes, he. I think he's uh, he's been up in Portland for forever. Yeah. You know, so I, I think he he um, he grew up. Do you ever see Goonies? They live close to like Olympia, Olympia, mm-hmm. Oregon, or Olympia, Washington, um, somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest coast. And I think that's where he kind of grew up and then moved to Portland and mm-hmm. uh, has been there ever since. Yeah. And that's another movie that the twenty-something-year-olds would not understand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Goonies. Goonies never die. Goonies no. Never. Exactly. No, it's exactly. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, how many times did you have to uh, scream at your phone whenever you would see T, Tino, and Ken post hot dogs with ketchup on them? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot. Um, y- you were wearing a Saker Speed shirt, uh, uh, Saker Speed Work shirt the other day, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I had this picture of like a forty-four mag while wearing like a Saker shirt, and I had like ketchup, and I was putting on a forty-four mag. <laughs> that's on my Instagram somewhere. I was making fun of them for shooting like optic guns because my 44 mag had like a like an old one one power scope, which is pretty ridiculous. Like why mm-hmm. why they made those things? I'm not sure. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, they like yeah ketchup on hot dogs. Uh, oh. It's yeah, it's like pineapple on pizza. Yeah. Mm. Which. Brandon Powers tricked me into eating pineapple on pizza. I'm ashamed to admit it. Did he but... hide it under the cheese or something? <clears throat> no, he just ordered a pineapple on pizza, pineapple pizza on pizza, and then we got the pizza. And I was like, "What in the fuck is the problem with you?" And, and it's like, and he's from Wisconsin. Try it, you love it, and, <laughs> and man. He and he makes really good pizzas too. I don't know if you've heard like he'll post it on his Instagram. Like he, he's got like the, the big green egg and he'll actually go out there and like make it like a, like a handmade hand risen crust. It's like, man, mm-hmm. it looks good. He's a good cook. Yeah. But, but it's still wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still unholy. Yeah. But, but you willingly ate it though. Well, I guess you probably weren't willingly. You were probably hungry and it's like, I was hungry. I'm you like, got to do what I got to hey, do. Hey man, some pizza is better than no pizza. Okay, mm-hmm. like you know, it's like truck stop coffee. There is no such thing as bad coffee. If you need coffee, uh, that's it's doable, you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But oh, but but no. where are you? You're you're in Michigan, right? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm in Michigan. Yep, M- Michigan. Yeah. See, <laughs> I, I, well, the camera's gonna do me injustice, but I live right about here. Okay, See, I got we, you. We yeah. annoying Michigan. So I'm about three hours outside of Chicago. Okay, so, I got you. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how close are you to Door? Uh, door, uh, about hour and a half, hour and twenty minutes. Okay, okay. Yep, because yeah. that's that's where South Kent Sportsman's Club is. I've only shot there once. Um, I've been there twice because I took ended up taking media pictures at one of the major matches there. Okay. I was supposed to yeah. work them. I was supposed to work that match, and then of course. My wife's birthday was the same weekend, so it was taboo. And then, you know, and then I was like, well, I still got the one day. So I went up and took pictures. Uh, uh, it was kind of cool. It was because I, I took pictures of Max and um, uh, I don't know Al- if you've known Albert Yao um, yeah. from Chicago area. So I took pictures yeah. of them and uh, that was a fun time. Ma- but yeah. Amazing shooter. That guy's figured it out. Like, um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love yeah. watching it when Albert has to get a step stool on a stage. He's like, I need the little box thing and I'm going to jump <laughs> off of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, man. It's funny. Yeah. There's, 
there's so so many great people who have like kind of come out of the woodwork and they, they found out about USPSA and they're trying to get better. I think that that's that's the most amazing part about the the sport is if you go back 15 years to kind of I don't want to say pre YouTube because YouTube was still kind of in its infancy. People didn't post a lot of um, uh, match footage or anything like that. Um, I'm trying to remember there was a an open shooter in Michigan. Or no, he's he's from Ohio, I think by Dayton. Um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Keen, Chris Keen. Yeah, Chris Keen. He was one of the first people to actually post really good first-person footage or, or you know good match footage of stuff um, shooting USPSA matches, and that was that was really cool. That was one of the like amazing things that that appeared on YouTube. So it was like, oh my God, wow. And he, mm-hmm. he was a great—he was a great shooter. I don't know if he still competes, but uh, I hope he does. When but. was I? Last time I saw Chris was in 2022 mm-hmm. um, at the Michigan Sectional. Um, yeah. But then I don't know if something like work got in the way or what, or just something. But I haven't seen him. I've seen that he shot a couple matches, but I haven't personally seen him. Uh, and it's really odd because you know he's a grandmaster and he still works major matches from time to time, which is yeah. Talk, talk about a dude who's paying it back, right? Like paying it forward, like a mm-hmm. uh, um, so, solid guy. Like, yeah, that guy's been at it for a long time. Uh, and, and again, that's the ebbs and flows of life. You know, we get busy doing stuff or, you know, family stuff, work stuff, whatever. Um, and that, that's a big deal. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It absolutely but, is. But but that's the interesting thing. You know, 15 years ago, it was very hard to find a lot of shooting content at, at that point. Ben hadn't written his book yet. Um, I don't think Ben Steger was even competing back then. And I think he came a little, little bit later. Um, I think the only, the only books that were really published about practical shooting were J. Michael Plaxco's book shooting from within or something like that. And then of course you had the, the book by Enos beyond fundamentals and um, that if you if you could dig up some of the stuff from Ed McGivern and, mm-hmm. and look at some of that, then that was that was about it. Um, but there were like, you know, we, we live in an amazing period because so much of the information is just so easy to get, whether you're on YouTube or IG or Reddit or whatever. Now, there's some bad info out there, too, where I would say bad info that leads people down some rabbit holes and whatever. But uh, but at the same time. You know, people who are competing, who have access to people who are master level or A level competitors that are going to set them in the right path. It kind of, you know, shakes them free from, you know, doing like center axis relock shit or something, (laughs) you know, like the the John Wick stuff that, 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 you know, doesn't doesn't really work or do anything for you, you know, so other than look cool in movies, so. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or possibly get you sent home from a match because you do a wick flick and it's whoopsie. Yep, exactly. Yeah, a little little one eighty break, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But right. Me. So I've I've got a few more questions for you before uh, we end our evening. But in your opinion, do you think <laughs> Beretta would have gotten to an RDS Beretta ninety two without Ernest's uh, innovations? Um, yeah, I mean, they've got a ton of engineers and ton of really talented people. And I think they were looking for a way to do that. Um, I think they would have figured it out at some point. Um, 
I like the LTT system a lot. I think it, it, uh, the way the optics plates are made makes sense to a lot of people and mm-hmm. the, the way it mounts to the gun makes sense from a economy of scale perspective with Breda, I can see why they went with their own in-house system just because it doesn't require specialized parts. You don't need to machine down the firing pin. You don't need to have a different system for the, for the firing pin safety and etc. cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think Ernest had, the first one on market, which was really one of those things where it was a kick in the ass that I think Beretta needed to show that, Hey, there's actually really a lot of interest in this and, um, uh, you should, you should probably do it. Mm-hmm. Um, even now their guns are set up where I don't think they have, you know, the, the correct site heights on their correct height sites on their, uh, out of the box or anything like that. But, um, you know, uh, I mean, they've made their decisions and they've got people like JJ and Ben and uh, Cameron and everybody shooting for them. They've got a lot of talent. So, I mean, the system works and certainly won JJ a carry optics national championship, which is amazing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I can't knock it too much because it seems to be working for some people, but I think there's room for, for, for both ways. Um, you know, do you want the Langdon system or do you want like the Beretta system? And it's just, you're kind of, they, they accomplish the same goal. Right. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I mean, I, I really do appreciate like the, the fact it's just, you know, carrying like a Langdon optic gun was a little bit, you know, I'll say, I think it, the way it's set up, it just probably makes it sit a little bit better in the holster and whatnot. But I know that some of the guys are actually carrying their, their, uh, RDS Berettas or their, um, their carry optic Berettas, you know, for, for defense or whatever. So, Hey, if it works, it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, it's always cool. Cause, uh, you just, uh, supporting, uh, you know, I wouldn't call Langdon tactical technologies, a small business anymore because no, no they're definitely not. I mean, I think they moved out of the garage, right? <laughs> you know, I'm actually not positive. Um, you know, it's been been a minute since I've actually like had to had to do a lot for them or, or, or anything, but uh, I think they probably still do. Um, so uh, maybe not all of it, but uh, maybe they have some other stuff and they can contract with some people. But uh, but I think they're still I think they're still doing stuff like that in mm-hmm. the garage. So I, yeah, well, that's and that's you know it's you know Amy and Ernest you know employing local people you know taking care of them you know having their small business which is awesome. But, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see where they, you know, Ernest took the 92, you know, and then, you know, was able to, you know, he's, you know, now he's doing cool things with, you know, other Beretta models like the tip up and, uh, uh, which I have a, you know, God, I can't remember the name, but other than I call it the tip up, uh, it's got some silly name. I'm 22 or 32. Uh, it's 32 ACP. Tomcat. The Tomcat. See, and this was, uh, you know, my, one of my mother-in-law's, uh, things that I'm holding on to her for the moment. And it's like, Oh, this thing's cool. And it's sitting in this little box, this wooden box with like felt, like felt or something. Well, it's fa- It's shinier, but anyway, it's just yeah. sitting in this little box and it's like, is it cool. one with the, the gold trigger? No, it does not have a gold trigger. Okay. Yeah. So, so some of the, um, like I, I love some of those. That's actually the only little Beretta that I don't have. I don't have a 32 tip up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have the, uh, the, the, the Tomcat. Um, 
I really like the 22 long rifle one. Mm-hmm. I've got a 25. I've got a couple of each of these. And then the, the 22 short, which is called the Minx. I've got several of those. And those actually shoot pretty pretty damn well. Um, they're, they're surprising little guns because they, they work and they don't have an extractor and whatnot. So it's like, oh, wow, okay. But, but I think Breda now, um, yeah, it's just it, – it, I remember putting it out there as a joke to Ernest, like, hey, we should, you know, put a red dot on and do a trigger job on this, like, on the Bobcat. And he's like, okay, you know, that I don't think there's a market. And now here we are, there's 32 with an optic on it. It's like, you know, you have kind of, like, there's a great, like, April Fool's prank or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now we've, like, jumped the shark and <laughs> it's no longer a pocket gun. Come on, man. Like, you know. What are you going to do out, out Caleb Giddings, Caleb Giddings or something like that? You know, <laughs> you know, but, yes. <laughs> but oh, uh, anyway, I yeah. mean, we already thought he was silly enough with his revolvers with red dots. I mean, <laughs> but Hey, Oh, hey, there's there's no bumpy glowy red thing on there yet. <laughs> no, no, there, there there's a bumpy glowy uh, green thing on the front, but uh, but that, that's about it. But uh, sorry, yeah. to point it at the camera. But wow, uh, I, yeah. I'm I'm not hurt. No one, no <laughs> internet. If you're hurt, wah. I mean, yeah. My buddy Tony, my buddy Tony Salas, he always pretty much freaking pocket carries a, a revolver just because he's like, I'm too lazy to put on real pants, so it's shorts time. Yeah, I mean, hey, hey I mean, I was rolling around on the car and everything like that, you know, so um, th- this thing gets carried quite a bit, um, either that or a little 32, so, but, but, uh, but yeah. But, Nothing yeah. wrong with that, but um. You know, last couple, last few questions I did have for you. Um, I don't know with you know your changing job. Um, I don't know if you're able to have any sponsors or partnerships, but uh, or this might be the part where you shout out some you know people you've worked with. Honestly, we've talked about or Amy and uh, Ernest and Amy Langdon already. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting where all that goes. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really have any sponsors. Um, I've kind of prided myself on being a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a free agent, but like, um, just, just the dude that, that goes out and shoots and, and, and tries to do well. Uh, Ernest and Amy have definitely helped out a lot. They've made the Beretta really cool again. Wilson combat really did, did awesome stuff. Um, and there's both of those companies are doing awesome stuff. Um, of course I really like Beretta firearms. Um, uh, they're, they're really neat. Um, but you got to find out what's whatever's going to work for you and, and explore and find out what pistol works and what system works. Do you like irons or optics and, and, uh, and just get out there and compete, get out there and shoot one or both of the sports or, and, uh, and j- just, just find it. So, um, big shout out to the Langdon's big shout out to Wilson combat. And, um, uh, yeah, they've been, they've been wonderful people to work with. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so less for if you want people to get a hold of you, where is the best place for them to reach you at? Sure, uh, less pepperoni on Instagram. That's all one word. Uh, my last name is long and horribly complicated, so pepperoni has been a nickname forever. So, less pepperoni. Uh, send me your hot dog pictures or your not hot dog pictures that way but uh <laughs> chicago style hot dog pictures you know and you know pizza pictures or whatever and uh and i promise i'll be posting more and uh and get back to it in, in, in a little bit but uh but yeah mm-hmm. 
Well, that's awesome. And uh, last, thank you for sitting down with me. This has been a good one. It's kind of nice because we know we know enough of the same people, and it's always good to have these conversations with uh, people that you really don't know, but you kind of know through stories. So sure, yeah. Well, God, what stories have you heard? Oh, I mean, maybe I'll take that offline, but they've never they're none bad. Okay. <laughs> but, oh uh, God! All right, yeah. But like I said, last, thank you for your time, and listeners, get out and do the things. I will see you on the next one. Awesome.